Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a mother pig who had three little pigs. Do you know that story? What happened? Well, you obviously don't know the story, I'll tell you. The wolf closed the house down. You're not sure now? Yeah, that's the story. Okay, let me try another one. Once upon a time, there was a poor widow who had a son named Jack. You know the beanstalk story? What happens? Lots of money. Lots of money. How does he get lots of money? Climbs the beanstalk. How does he get the beanstalk in the first place? Because he swaps a cow for some beans. Swaps the cow for the beans. Hmm. You guys are too good. Let me try a harder one. <laughs> Once upon a time, there were three billy goats. You know that one? What happens? They go trapping over a bridge. You've forgotten. They go across the bridge to get to the other side, and who's under the bridge? The Chancellor of the Exchequer. Right. I said at the early service, I said, once upon a time there was these three little pigs. And I said, what happens next? Someone said they couldn't get a mortgage. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> end of the story. Right. Uh, how about this one? Once upon a time, there lived a handsome young debonair pastor. <laughs> End of that story? He went bald 15 years of ministry. <laughs> some good stories. There's some good starts to stories. Once upon a time. Well, when they're all started in the same way. Once upon a time. You know, the gospel writers write stories. They don't start with once upon a time. Matthew, he was a tax collector, so it's not surprising. He started his story with, well, there was this guy called Adam and Eve, and let me tell you the genealogical history. Kind of boring, really, to many of us. But that's how he started his story, because he wanted to talk about Jesus. And he thought, well, I better put the context to where Jesus came from. So let me just tell you his family history. It would be like having Jason coming out here and his parents saying, well, this is where Jason came from and let's go all the way back to Adam and we'll get it all the way up to today. I went to a church once and, uh, where a minister was being inducted into that church and the church secretaries have to come up as part of the service and give what they call the account of the call, how this minister was called to be in this church. And normally what happens in this thing is they, they come up the front and they say, well, David, uh, you know... Uh, we first heard of David and he came and he met the church and uh, we'd been vacant for a year or so and then he came and he preached with a view and we liked him, he liked us and so he came. But in this church, what the guy did, he stood up and he said, in 1662, when the church came into being and he went through every single minister, 
in the history of that church, describing how they'd come, how long they'd stayed, what they'd done, and when they'd left. We were sitting there for hours listening to this. And what was worse, they had to spread out of food afterwards and our stomachs were just getting more and more hungry as we thought that this food was just going more and more into the distance as this guy started. That's a bit like Matthew and his genealogy. Mark starts straight in there. He just goes, bang. Let's, let's start with John the Baptist, Jesus. Let's get this up and running because that's Mark. Luke, he starts his gospel. He says, let me tell you a nice story about Christmas. And we get the Christmas story from Luke with the shepherds coming and the angels singing and it's all going fantastic. It's beautiful, Luke. John says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. It's not really a once upon a, uh, once upon a time kind of start, is it? But let's pray because we're going to look at John's Gospel this Advent. And I want to start by looking at that first verse just today. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into your Word this morning... Lord, we need your help. You've promised your spirit to teach us and guide us. And it's your spirit that speaks to each one of us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts and our lives to you and our ears and our minds to hear from you today. Speak to us through your word. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. In the beginning was the word, he says. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a strange start to a book, isn't it? Because John, in his book, in his Gospel, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. Because at verse 30, right at the end of his his, uh, account, he says why he's written it. He said in verse 30 of chapter 20, he says... Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What John is doing is he's he's collated all this information, all these stories, because John was with Jesus. He had all these stories about Jesus' life, and then he'd done his research about the times when he wasn't with Jesus, So he had all this information and he says, now out of all this wealth of information, these are the key things I'm going to choose to write down so that when people later read this, like you and me, we may understand who Jesus is and may come to believe in him and have life in all its fullness. And those that do believe will read this gospel and they will be encouraged and strengthened in their faith and in their life together. And he starts with, in the beginning was the Word. Why, why would you start like that? Why not just start with, in the beginning was Jesus? Sounds like a good place to start to me. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Why does he start with the word? Well, I think first of all, he does it because he wants us to focus on 
what it took John three years plus to understand. That Jesus is the Word. In verse 14 of chapter 1, if you go back to chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the rest of the chapter, as we'll see during a a lead up to Christmas, shows us and describes for us and reveals for us what the Word is, who Jesus really is. But why, why use that word, word, logos? In the beginning was the logos. Why not just say in the beginning was Jesus? And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. It made a lot more sense, wouldn't it? Well, I think he does this for a number of reasons. The first reason is this. I'm going to show you a little video. Hopefully. You may well be familiar. But this is the first reason.
Then you've got it on repeat now. Do you remember that? Hands up if you've seen that before. A friend of mine saw it about 20 times at the cinema when it first came out. It looks so dated now, doesn't it? But in Greek understanding, the logos was just that. It was the force. In a Greek understanding, Greek mentality, when John said, in the beginning was the force, the logos, they understood that to be the force at work in the whole universe. The creative force, the force that holds everything together, it's the same as the picture you see in Star Wars. The force be with you. If you can tap into that, you tap into the very essence of life that is flowing throughout the whole universe. It's there that created it. It's the force that sustains it. It's the force that gives it its energy and its movement. And so John says, in the beginning was that force. In the beginning was that word and that logos was that force that is working in and around creation and around the universe. It's foundational. It's life bringing. And then he goes on to explain further down. And you know what that force is? That force is Jesus Christ. So he says in the beginning is the force. Now to the Jew though, it's something different. As soon as he said in the beginning, what is he going to cast their minds back to? Genesis, creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so for the, for the Jew, he was automatically going back to saying, well, in the beginning, God is there. The creator who uses his voice because God speaks and the world comes into being. Let there be light, he says, and there was light. Let there be, and he spoke his word. And right throughout the Bible, you hear about God speaking and things happening. In the Psalms, he talks about it. In Psalm 33, 6, it talks about God speaking as creator and the world coming. In Psalm 107, 20, it talks about God speaking and bringing restoration and healing. And it's all through the word, the word that God speaks, that change and life is brought. And John wants that to be uppermost in our minds as we read his gospel. That right from the outset, he gets to the core of the matter. Recognize that Jesus is the center, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. You know, so often when we read the Gospels, we bring Jesus down to our human level. You know what we do? We see Jesus sitting at the wedding in Cana in John 4. And what do we do? Well, he's just a guy that's sitting there. Yeah, he's got these, he can change water into wine, that's kind of handy. But he's just a guy that's sitting there, one of the group. He's just sitting there with, with the woman in Samaria, or the Samaritan woman at the well. It's just a guy sitting there. Yeah, he's got extra insight, but he's just a guy. And John wants to say to us every single time, no, Jesus is the creator, the sustainer of all that there is. And it's the creator of everything that is sitting there right next to you. It's the creator that went to the wedding at Cana. It's the creator that sat at the well. It's the creator that was with his disciples in the upstairs room. It's the creator of the universe that went to the cross. It's the creator that went through Gethsemane. It's the creator that rose again. The creator that cooked that meal on the beach 
and restored Peter back into the fellowship. He doesn't change. It's the creator right from the word go from John's gospel right to the end. And we have to get that in our minds and in our thoughts. Because so often we, we bring Jesus down to something we can handle. Down to our level. Instead of raising ourselves up to him. So he says, in the beginning was the word, the creator of all. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the other thing he wants us to understand is that Jesus is the word. I don't know about you, but I I really don't like people who lie. Do you? I can't stand people who lie to me. Just really irritates me. One, because it makes, I guess it's pride in me, because I think like, do they think I'm that stupid that I won't understand what they're saying, you know, that I can't see through it? You know, like when you're little kids and you do something and everybody sees you doing it, and you go, no, it wasn't me. And as a parent, you're there going, hang on, I know I need glasses, but really, honestly, I, I, it's, it's definitely you. Been there, done it. I heard about this marathon runner in Belgium. This guy was from Algeria, apparently. In 1991, September 1991, he did a marathon in Belgium. He won the race. He was still fresh at the end. And they wondered how he'd done so well. And then somebody realized and said, hang on a minute. Are you sure you're the same person that started with that number? And what had happened was that his trainer had actually started the race for him. And about after about 10 miles, this marathon went through the woods... And his trainer had run off, taken off number 61, which was his number, pinned it on the proper marathon runner, and he had carried on in the race. They're about the same build, same height, same everything. There was only one fatal flaw in their cunning plan. Do you know what it was? The coach had a moustache. And the other guy didn't. So when they get to the end, they're going, hang on a minute. Either you've had time to shave in the middle of this race, or you're not the same person. They try to get away with it. They've since been banned from any marathon running in Belgium, apparently. But the thing is about Jesus is that we all put fronts up. We all hide. Except Jesus is the truth. What you see in Jesus Christ... His words and his actions are completely in harmony. So many of us, we say things and we wish we could back it up by what we do. But we're so quick to say things and we do something else. Or we do things and say something completely different. But in Jesus, you have his word and his action in complete harmony. And I think as John spent those three years with Jesus Christ and then continued in that relationship, he came to realize that Jesus was his word. That what Jesus said and what Jesus did were exactly the same thing. That he never said anything that he didn't do and he never did anything that he didn't say. They were just completely in harmony. So it's things today, isn't it? WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. That's true for Jesus more than anybody else in history. 
That what you saw in Jesus, his personality, his character, his actions, who he is, spoke through what he said in perfect harmony. And so he says, in the beginning was the word, that trustworthy word. And the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus could say in John 14, 9, when Thomas is asking, he says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I am the same. I am what you you see. The Father is what you see in me. And he says in John 14, 6, I am the truth. But I think John is also, in his opening sentence, wanting to say more to us. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Firstly, he talks about Jesus' infinite existence. We've touched on it already. In the beginning, every Jew would have gone straight back to Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there. He was at creation. He has always been there and always will be there. So when we talk to Jesus, we recognize that he was... There at the start, he's going to be there at the end. I don't know about you, sometimes I wonder and I think, if I was kind of time-traveled back two, three, four hundred years, how useful I would be. Do you ever think like that? Because like, if we were to go back, how, how many things that you do today do you really understand what you're doing? I switch on a TV, but I don't know how it works. Switch on a radio, I don't know how it works. I don't know how my laptop and my tablet works. And I just think, if I went back, it's like when you take these guys on these desert islands or whatever, and you just drop them there. They have to kind of figure out how to live again. Because it's all taken away. I don't know if you see those kind of Bear grill series, when they take them and they, you know, they put those guys on that island. They had to try and figure out how to do it. And, and you may have loads of skills right now, but they're not the right kind of skills that you necessarily need when you're out trying to survive. But Jesus has been there. And you think that when you create something yourself, you know how it works. The problem today is we don't create anything, do we? It, we just buy it. Remember when I bought my first motorbike, one of the first things I did was I stripped it right down and figured out how it worked. And then prayed like crazy I could put it back together and get it working again. But you could take a motorbike apart. I took the engine apart, I took it all apart, fiddled around with it, stuck it back together again. I knew how it worked, so if it broke, I could fix it. But today, your motorbike breaks. It's all electronic. Can't even touch it. How many things today, if they break down, can you actually fix them? Very few. We normally just throw them away because it's cheaper to buy a brand new one than it is to try and get it repaired in a shop. And yet, Jesus was there as creator. He understands then how it all works, how it all fits together, how it all goes. And so when we talk to him, when we listen to him, we recognize that we're listening and talking to the one who set it all in motion. The one who was there in the beginning. So that when I talk to Christ about my problems and my issues, I'm not talking to somebody that doesn't know how to deal with it. 
Because he's been there throughout the whole of history. He's been there and seen it all before. He's done it. He created it. He knows how it works. He knows every relationship that's ever been. He knows how the whole of society works and he knows how it's going to work in the future. And we need to start thinking in those terms when we pray and when we listen to Christ. That we're not just talking to a a friend next door to us. We're talking to the Creator, the one who put it all into place, the one who has the power that can speak the word and it happen. And we need to realize that and captivate that in our life and in our thinking. God is the Creator, Christ creates it all. He was there in His infinite wisdom right at the start. In the beginning, Jesus was there. And it says the Word was with God. It talks also about the relationship within the Godhead. That not only was Christ there, but Christ, Father, Son, Spirit, the God, three in one, were there together. And we're not going to talk about the Trinity today. But there they are in perfect relationship. It says the word really, it literally means was towards God. It's facing towards God. They're in communion, in fellowship together. That active communion with one another. And so Christ then reaches out to us and invites us when we want to go with him into that fellowship, into that communion, into that perfect relationship in in the Godhead. John 14.6, he says, I am the way, the way into an experience of that relationship within the Godhead. I'm right at the outside of his, of his uh, gospel. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He's there as part of that creating of the Godhead together. Kind of liken it to, you remember in the school playground? I used to go and then be waiting there to pick, pick my, my boys up when they were younger. And there's all these little groups of people huddled together and they're all standing around with their backs to other people. You been there? And there's, there's little pockets all around. And you can't, because in England you just don't go do this, you can't go muscling your way in and go, Hi, how you doing? My name's David. Because they'll just like, who are you? We didn't invite you into our group. We're all little friends together here. And so what you see in the playground, waiting for the children to come out at the, the bell in the afternoon, is little groups of people who know one another and a whole group of other people who stand on their own. And it's like Jesus is there and he's looking out and he's calling to us and saying, hey David, why don't you come join our group? Let me include you in. I remember when I was in Canada where it was uh, most noticeable. First church I went into in Canada. Group of guys after the service were all standing there. And in Canada the, the, uh, the culture is completely different to here. There the guys were all standing around talking about ice hockey and American football. I was not an expert in either of those fields. I knew about soccer. But when they realized that I didn't know anything about American football or ice hockey, they immediately changed the conversation to football. And they said, so which team do you support in England? 
tell us about the English Football League. How does it work? How does it? And they immediately included me into their group and changed their whole conversation so that I could feel part of them rather than be excluded from them. And Jesus does the same thing with us. He is with God. But he's not there at the expense of us. Not there with his back turned towards, uh, against us. But he's there reaching out, saying, I am the way. Why don't you come and enjoy and have life in all its fullness by experiencing what it is to be within that relationship? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And lastly, the Word was God. He's saying Jesus is God. Couldn't be simpler, and yet more profound. You want to know who God is? You want to experience who God is? You want to understand who God is? Look at Jesus. Enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he is the word. He is the one that will show us who God is. That's why we spend so long in church singing praises to Jesus and understanding who Jesus is. Because unless you understand Jesus, you will never understand God. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to have life in all its fullness, you have to understand Jesus. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That's what you need to do. And right at the outset of John's gospel, he's saying, I'm going to lay this right down. So that you have this in your minds, in your thoughts, as you travel this journey through the gospel. That Jesus Christ was there, is the creator of everything. That Jesus Christ is the one that forms relationships and encourages us to be with him because Jesus Christ is God. And he says, put that uppermost in your mind. Don't lose it. Keep coming back to it. As you read the gospel, you'll see it in a completely different light if you keep Christ there rather than bring him down to so often where we do as one of us. Somebody said it was a bit like this. They said they had a young boy, about two or three years of age. He didn't want to be in his playpen, but his mother put him there. And you know what young children do when they don't want to be where their parents put them? They start screaming and shouting and rattling the edge of the cage, going, Get me out, get me out, 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 out. And he was making a lot of noise, this young boy, and the granddad was there, and he hurt. And the granddad came in the room, and the little boy looked at him, out, 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 out. And the granddad's heart started to break, and he went over and he went to lift up the little boy and pick him out of the playpen. And it was then that the boy's mother put his, her head round the door. And the granddad looked back at the boy's mother, And the mother went, no, I've told him to stay there. Leave him alone. And the grandfather was in this quandary, what do I do? My heart is being pulled by this, by my grandson. And yet, I can't disobey my daughter's wishes. So he thought for a moment... And then he climbed over and got into the playpen and sat down with his grandson. 
And that is what Jesus Christ has done for us. In the beginning was the Word, for sure. Jesus was there. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. But He hasn't just stayed there. And John's Gospel unfolds for us how Jesus looked at you and me, screaming out to Him, saying, We need help. We can't do this on our own. Our world is messed up. There's got to be a better way. And he came down and climbed in to where we are. It didn't change the essence of who he is. Grandpa is still grandpa. It just changed where he is. Right next to us. Once upon a time, there was a handsome debonair, young, virile, good-looking, intelligent, wonderful pastor. But before that story comes another story. Because once upon a time there was a messed up, directionless young man who one one evening at a party was so disillusioned with where his life was going that he reached out to the word and said, Jesus, if you're there, if you're really who you say you are, I want a meaningful relationship with you. And that night, everything changed. John wrote his gospel so that it might change in us too. I don't know where you are with Christ today. I don't know where you are in your life today. But he's still there reaching out. He's still there saying, yeah, I'm the creator. I'm the sustainer of everything. But I want to climb in to your playpen. I want to climb in and be part of your life. Because I've promised that if I do that, I can give you life in all its fullness. I can give you all the things that you're looking for. And if you know what that is all about, he's saying today to us, let me encourage you. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you. Let me come and give you more and more and more of life. Because there is so much more that he can give. I'm going to ask Ronnie just to come and play. And I just want you to think for a moment. Where are you today? God was there in the beginning. But he's there right now. In Revelation it says he's standing at the door. He's knocking. And he's saying let me in. Do you need him today? Do you need him for the first time? Do you need him to come in and just fill you again? Don't go away today without having met with him. Let's just have a few minutes of quiet as we reflect 
on the word in our lives. Thank you. 